You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, you may find the content of this podcast difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. You should also be aware the information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Well, it's that time of year again. We're fast approaching the end of the financial year and it's time to have a chat about end of financial year strategies. And in this podcast, we're going to review the top five strategies and considerations. My name's Kim Guest and today I'm going to be talking to Linda Bruce, the Senior Manager in the First Tech team. Hi, Linda. Hi, Kim. How are you? (laughs) Very well. Pumped to be talking about end of financial year strategies. Absolutely. And before we begin, we I just want to direct people to an article that you have written on end of financial year strategy. So we're going to go through the top five strategies today, but there's a few others that are also covered in that article in more detail as in there. So yep. make yep. sure you check that out. But okay, let's get started. So what, what strategy should we start with? What about good old non-concessional contributions? That's an important one to think about, isn't it, as we approach the end of the financial year? Absolutely. Good and oldie, mm. as always. Mm. So what's going on with the non-concessional contributions, Kim? Uh, we were so excited at the beginning of this financial year because of two things. The first thing is for non-concessional contributions or any contributions, mm. there's no longer any need to consider whether or not the client that has met a work test before they can contribute to super it's yeah. completely gone so if the client just want to make a contribution to super good as long as they are under the upper age limit is that um end of the month the client attended 75 plus 28 days that's the upper limit beyond that time only downsides and a compulsory super can be accepted mm-hmm. all other contributions must stop so uh, with the removal of the work test and the other thing is the extension of the age to trigger the bring forward provision. As long as the client is under age 75 rather than 67 at the beginning of the financial year, they can trigger the bring forward and non-concessional contribution cap. Mm-hmm. So we put the two together. There are so many clients they couldn't contribute in the past financial years, all of a sudden, not only mm. they can contribute, but also they can trigger the bring forward rules. It's good, isn't it? There's mm. a, lot, a lot of new opportunities. And of course, we're not talking about personal deductible contributions here. Is no, we're, we're not. not. We know there's a work test when you're between 67 and 75 and you claim deduction. We're talking about non-concessional contributions. Non-concessional. Mm. And there is no work test anymore, which is great. Absolutely. Mm. So that works for um, clients who wants to add additional amount in the super. Mm-hmm. And also it just works great for this client in this age group uh, to do the withdrawal and the recontribution strategies. Yeah, it's, it's a big opportunity, isn't it? And we've got that going forward as well. So there'll be a whole new group of people who are, who are might be eligible to do that. Mm. All right. Um, what else do we need to think about with non-concessional contributions? We, as always, we need to consider the total super balance. Uh, before we do anything, we need to check the total super balance at the previous 30th June that determines whether or not the client can contribute at all. 
or whether they can use the three or bring a uh, two year bring forward contribution cap uh, non-concessional contribution uh, bring forward yeah uh, so at the moment we know the client uh, assuming they, they meet all the age uh, criteria etc they needed to have less than 1.48 million dollars at a uh, at a previous 30th June mm -hmm. to be able to do the three year bring forward in the current financial year so uh, our advisors might be thinking, uh, yeah, some client may not be able to contribute at all next year, um, uh, but um, um, because their uh, total super balance uh, is over 1.7 million, or they can't use the uh, bring forward next year because their total super balance was over 1.48 million. But it's important to note, it's important to note that those thresholds uh, determines the next financial year's bring forward NCC cap or whether or not the client can contribute at all will increase, right? Like increase by a lot, right? By a lot, mm. because it's linked to the general transfer balance cap. Mm -hmm. It goes up by two hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. So that one point four eight million determines the three year bring forward becomes the one point six eight million. Yeah, and uh, that one point seven million cutoff threshold determines whether or not client can contribute at all in terms of NCC mm. will become 1.9 million so next year. So a lot more people might be able to contribute next year. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and great. also just from maximizing the contribution cap perspective, mm -hmm. rather than to 330,000 this financial year, maybe considering 110,000 this year and 330,000 or 230,000 depends on the total super balance uh, to maximize the client's uh, the non-concessional contributions uh, within a very, very short period. I'm sure uh, advisors are very familiar with that strategy. That's right. So it all depends, doesn't it, on their age and total mm. super balance, where they can contribute next year and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, they're not triggering it this year and then doing a big one next year can often be a great strategy. Yeah. Okay, lovely. Well, that's non-concessional contributions. How about we move on to the next one, which is, of course, personal deductible contributions. That's a big one, isn't it, as we approach the end of the financial year? Mm, that's quite a different, hey? Mm. As you mentioned earlier, Kim, the work test is no longer required mm. if the client only needs to deal with the super funds by making a contribution. Yeah. It's a different story if the client, at the time of making the contribution, uh, was over age of 67 mm. and they want to claim that a personal contribution as a tax deduction yeah. in their tax return and a work test is still required as you mentioned earlier mm. it requires a client to have a uh, to to meet the work test uh, either before or after the contribution is made it doesn't matter as long as in the financial year the client worked 40 hours or more within any 30-day period or if their total super balance was lower than 300,000 at the previous financial year and not previous financial year, and they couldn't meet the work test in the last financial year, they couldn't rely on the work test exemption mm -hmm. uh, to claim that a contribution as a deduction. However, if that contribution was made after their 67th birthday and they fail the work test, mm. unfortunately, it's not possible to claim that amount as a deduction, mm. and that amount will count towards the non-concessional contribution cap instead. Yeah. So 
so in some cases they might want to wait till they actually do the work isn't it before they make the contribution if it's important to be able to claim the deduction for absolutely it. just to be uh close to it mean minimize the um uh, the risk as much as possible mm. there are situations the client to turn 75 uh last month we have to make the contribution today yeah. and the client promised to me the work test a bit later maybe we, we mm. can't always control the risk no. to um re be risk-free if that's, <laughs> that's right. a better word yeah. um but we, we can only do um uh, where possible wait until they meet the work test um, before uh, making that additional contribution to super uh, or uh, wait until they meet the work test in the 75 uh, situation um, before they launch the notice of the intent before they commence the pension. Right, okay. Um, and in that 75 situation, they've got to make the contribution, don't they? Is it with 28 days in the month after they turn 75? That's yeah, right. Cool. If they turn 75 yeah. uh, on 1st March, mm -hmm. uh, they have until 28th of April to make the contribution. Yeah. Um, but they still can do the work in June if they want to. They just it's need in that financial year. Yes. Right. Got it. And what about if they've made a personal deductible contribution and they're commencing a pension? What have they got to look out for there? Yeah, they made the contribution to super. They lodged the notice of intent. Oh, they command uh, if they want to claim that amount as a deduction. Mm. Make sure they lodge the notice of intent um, before they actually commence the pension. The moment they commence the pension, they lose the opportunity to lodge the original notice of intent. Or they lodge the no uh, original notice of intent, they commence the pension they lose the opportunity to go back to the fund and vary that notice of the intent. So even if they start a pension with part of the balance, it's still... You're it's out. Still out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we get that question quite often. So it is oh, a bit of a trap, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, and what about um, if we're talking about personal deductible contributions, then of course carry forward concessional contributions is really important, isn't it? That might give us the opportunity to make much larger contributions. Yes. Um, and what do we need to look for there to, to see whether we're eligible to use carry forward concessional contributions? The first thing first, I'd say check their total super balance at a previous 30th June. If that amount uh, was more than $500,000, uh, it's not possible for a client mm -hmm. to utilize the any of the accrued amount. Don't waste up your time <laughs> and move on and reassess for the next financial year. Yeah. But if the total super balance is good, less than five hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars, now it's time to check what's the carry forward amount, right? So it has been there for a little while, and the rule says uh, they it has to be first in first out. You cannot pick and choose. So let's have a look. When the rule came came in, 1819 financial year uh, has been there for a little while. We start to get questions. When would that accrued amount from 1819 financial year carry forward? When will that amount uh, expire? Mm. Actually, it will expire next financial year, not this financial year. We've still got another, we've got this year and we've got next year to be able to use those 18, 19 amounts, isn't it? That's right. Mm. Yeah. But, and as you said, it's a first in, first out. So you'll, mm -hmm. you have no choice. They're going to use the earliest ones first. That's right. Yeah. But before you use the earliest ones, you have to use your standard concessional contribution cap uh, yeah. first. Mm. And then you can access the earliest accrued amount first. Right. Yeah. 
Awesome. And if they want to know how much they've got is carry forward concessional, they have a look on MyGov. They can yeah. go to MyGov and yeah. have a look, but don't rely on the information. If the client is a member of the Summon you Super Fund. Yes, there can be some delays in reporting there, can't there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's good results to have uh, have a look at MyGov and what is recorded there on the ATO online services linked to MyGov. Excellent. Okay, let's move on to another important strategy, and that is equalising superannuation balances. And of course, the big news story at the moment is the government proposal to introduce that $3 million cap, isn't it? And to yeah. tax earnings um, on amounts above $3 million with an additional 15% tax. Yeah. Um, and so we've got a separate podcast which talks about the ins and outs of that one. But I guess it just draws attention to the fact that um, Equalisation strategies may well be very important going forward. They're already important, aren't they, for already tax balance cap purposes, mm. but it could be other taxes like this new $3 million one mm. um, that comes in the future. So equalisation is an important consideration. I completely mm. agree with you, Kim. Yeah. Uh, so let's have a look at those strategies. Mm. Um, it's not that thing like it's more important. It's always important, as mm. you mentioned earlier. It's just added more importance to... Uh, look at those strategies. And the first thing first, contribution splitting. Mm. So for the concessional contributions that the uh, member spouse made in the last financial year, you have until 30th June in the current financial year uh, to split those concessional contributions amount uh, to the receiving spouse. Uh, that's um, 85%, up to 85% of the uh, concessional contributions, uh, and that includes the carry forward the concessional contributions mm -hmm. amount. Yeah. Yeah. That's an important one. That's very important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and the second one, we talked about a recontribution strategy earlier. Mm -hmm. So here we're talking about the same withdrawal, but perhaps recontribute recontribute to uh, the spouse super uh, rather than the member uh, members super that has a very very high balance uh, where spouse has a very low balance so because you want to equalize as much as possible so mm -hmm. it makes sense uh, to contribute to uh, the member spouse that has a lower balance mm -hmm. and also if the receiving spouse mm -hmm. uh, income is less than certain threshold mm -hmm. um, we're talking about 37000 to receive the full spouse contribution tax offset of yeah. up to $540 or partial uh, tax offset uh, if their income is less than $40,000. Yeah. Yeah. So quite Yeah, important. that's right. Well, that's good if they can get the offset as well as, as doing the contribution to the spouse's account as a redraw or just a mm. contribution to the spouse's account. That's a, that's a great strategy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I guess to do the redraw, they have to meet a condition of release, don't they, to be able to pull it out to put it in the spouse. So it might just be if they don't meet a condition of release, they're just making contributions if they happen to have money. That's right. Yeah. Or don't, if the, um, um, the member has a higher balance, the member spouse has a higher balance, they mm. haven't reached the preservation age, but mm. they are yet to retire, they come in the retirement condition of release. There's an old strategy, but it's a goodie, right? Commence mm. the transition to retirement mm. pension. Yes, you know you do not have unlimited access, but you do have access to up to 10%. Mm. And you take that up to 10% of pension out, you can recontribute back to spouse super. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a good way of moving money across. 
That's right. And from the receiving spouse uh, perspective, there are some things they can do for themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, the government contribution, if they're eligible, mm -hmm. make additional amount. Um, they can't get the government co-com by receiving spouse contribution. They have to do the member contribution, personal contribution themselves yeah. to be able to get the government co-com. Uh, so quite important for them to make that additional contribution themselves. Right. And also, if they're working, uh, encouraging them to salary sacrifice where tax effective mm -hmm. uh, to accumulate the super as much as possible. So equalizing is really important. Um, mm -hmm. What about moving on to our next strategy, uh, looking at managing the transfer balance cap as we approach the end of the financial year? What should we be looking at here? Uh, one of the traps that we heard very often uh, is that uh, people intend to think uh, they take a large lump sum amount mm -hmm. uh, out of the pension phase automatically that should be a lump sum withdrawal and automatically there should be a debit event uh, entering into the client's transfer balance account to reduce their running balance. But Kim, we all know it doesn't happen automatically. If you take mm. a very large amount out of the pension account, unless you make the election, you let the super fund know by making that election, this actually is a lump sum commutation. Otherwise, that amount is a pension payment by That's default. Right. That's and not a debit, is it? It's not a no. debit. Any no. pension payment, no matter how large it is, it does mm. nothing to the running balance of the transfer balance account mm -hmm. to make sure the client actually gets the debit they deserve, make sure to take uh, the minimum pension that you have to take, anything over and above the minimum, make sure elected to be taken as a lump sum withdrawal mm -hmm. so the client can actually get a debit events in their transfer balance account so they have a less uh, running uh, balance uh, lower running balance, that's a better word, <laughs> in their transfer balance account. That's one that pops up every now and again, isn't it, where yeah. um, people have taken a large amount and they're mm. not sure why it hasn't impacted their transfer balance account. Yeah, mm. no, that's a good one. Or they take it out, they put mm. it back to super, commence another pension. Mm. All they get is the credit, but not debit. debit. Yeah. A lot of a sudden the client breached the cap and we're wondering why, mm. just because they didn't take the additional amount as a lump sum. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and of course, as we mentioned before, the transfer balance cap is being indexed, isn't it, next financial year to 1.9 million, which is a great big $200,000 jump. What should we yeah. be looking at there? So what should we be looking at mm. there is that if a client never ever had a retirement phase pension in the past, mm. uh, and they're retiring between now and 30 June, uh, it's quite important uh, if the intention is to get a higher transfer, higher amount into the retirement phase. Uh, it's quite important to postpone uh, the starting of the retirement phase pension until mm -hmm. after on, or after 1st July 2023. Yep. Yeah, because their <laughs> personal cap is linked with the general cap mm -hmm. at the time of commencing the pension, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, so. I guess they've got to think about the little tax on earnings that mm. would happen between now and, and the 1st of July when they start the pension. But it's yeah. but not there's not very many months left in it yet, is there? Yeah, between sure. now and the end of the financial year. So it's probably becoming less and less of a, an issue. That's right. Mm. Uh, of course, for uh, self-managed super fund has a large capital gains, it might be a mm. 
completely different story. Yeah. But for a uh, vast majority of the retail clients mm -hmm. uh, in this space, postpone commencing the pension, uh, perhaps uh, to, to, to take advantage of a higher transfer balance cap, perhaps uh, is something to consider. But of course, it's yeah. case by case. That's right. So if they're nowhere near the transfer balance cap, mm. it's not maybe not an issue. But mm. for those that um, might have an issue mm. in the future sometime, then getting the biggest amount possible might be a good strategy. Such as receiving a mm. benefit income stream. That's right. This that could spouse. happen in the future and they need that cap. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also converting TTR between mm. now and um, uh, 30th June. Uh, if a client retired by the end of age 65, we can control the timing for by letting the uh, trustee know oh, after 1st July 2023 that client has met the con retirement condition release. We can control the timing when that credit will occur. But it's different story if the client will turn 65 between now and 30th June. Mm. That conversion is automatic. automatic yeah. We cannot control it. So by uh, on the 65th birthday, a credit representing the pension balance will occur unless we take action to stop that TDR pension, roll it back to accumulation phase, and then we can commence the pension on retirement phase pension on after 1st July 2023. Right. And then the client can have the higher personal transfer balance cap mm. to work with. Yeah, that's a good one. That's, um, so I guess we're looking at all our clients. Mm. We're going to turn 65 between now and 30 mm. June and, and seeing whether that's something we need to do to roll them back to accumulation. That's mm. right. Yep. Good one. All right. Now let's move on to our final end of financial year strategy that we're looking at today. Mm. Um, and that's about making contributions before 30 June. This is a big one, isn't it? Yeah, it's so important mm. because the timing is the key. Uh, when the contribution uh, is made, uh, can determine whether that the contribution, when the contribution can be deductible, for example, employee contribution, made a contribution uh, before 30th June or after 30th June mm. can affect the timing of claiming that a deduction and which financial years cap that a contribution will be counting towards. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one, hey? Um, and, and also, um, you know, the, what, uh, the um uh, when the employer makes a contribution when they uh, very often they use the uh, what is called a super clearing house is yeah, it yeah. and very often people think oh i made the contribution into the super clearing house i mm -hmm. haven't made the contribution no because mm -hmm. let's go back to the principles when the contribution is made mm -hmm. generally speaking yeah. is when the product provider super provider actually receives the, the contribution mm -hmm when the contribution hit their bank account. Yeah. Of course, there are some uh, weird and wonderful situations when the self-managed super fund is involved. For mm. example, the traditional check method may make a bit difference, but for vast majority of the situation is when the super provider receives the contribution. Yeah. If the employer uses a uh, clearing house, a super clearing house, mm. it generally can take up to two weeks or even longer for the provider, super provider, to actually receive the contribution. Right. To re so just be very careful if you are working with a uh, small business employer client, mm -hmm. uh, make sure they take action as early as possible. Don't wait until the last minute. Uh, that could affect the client's contribution caps 
uh, if that's not received until um, or after 1st July. Yeah, that's a good one. Every year some of those happen, don't they, where it's just made a little bit too late and it causes lots of problems. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess for personal contributions, you should check with the super fund as to what their cutoff dates are to make sure that they get there by 30 June. That's right. Usually they have a fund, uh, the governing rules of when the deadline might be mm. uh, to receive the last tranche of the contribution. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much, Linda. There were some really good tips um, to keep in mind as we approach the end of the financial year. But as I mentioned, we've also got that article um, and we're also going to have a client flyer, which will um, advise of all these sort of um, things to think about as we approach the end of the financial year, which are available through the First Tech website. So thank you very much, Linda, for coming to the podcast today. Thanks, Kim. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please note that these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors as a source of general information. All scenarios considered during the podcast were purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. You should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decisions and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited and Adventist Investments Limited accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.